This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. Well, let's have a look at the title of our message this morning. And we are starting a series today. I'm not exactly sure how many parts it will be, but be ready and be sure that it'll be at least two or three parts, probably more than that. But we're titling our series, When Grace is Missing. And this is part one. So when grace is missing, and this is part one. Now, you know, this past week, in actual fact, the last two weeks, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, it was during the week sometime, Helena and I kind of commented to each other how many Amber Alerts we received just in the last two weeks. And it's crazy. It's just all these child abductions. As you know, the Amber Alert system, uh, you know, it's here in the United States, means that a child has been abducted, a child has been taken illegally without permission from their guardians, from their parents, or whoever's responsible for them. And so I don't know if you've noticed that, I don't know if you get those alerts, but I'm sure most of us do. And you would have noticed that in the last two weeks, there's been at least four that I can think of, probably more. And you know, it makes me wonder And my heart just pours. I mean, I pray for them. When I get it, I pray for them. And I say, Father, thank you for somehow bringing resolution to the situation and comforting the parents or the parent, whoever's involved here. And more more than anything, protecting that child or those children. Because can you imagine? I mean, I have a daughter, as many of you have children. I cannot possibly just fathom the thought of someone taking my child. I, I, I don't even want to imagine it. I can just, I can imagine <laughs> the anxiety, the worry, the everything else that goes with it. And of course, we trust God, but, you know, to still go through that. So when a child is missing, when a child is taken, we only have but an idea of what that must feel like. I know there's been once or twice in our married life, when and, and even, you know, <laughs> we've been alive long enough to have lived in the time when there was no cell phones. But there would be times when, for example, Helena would work late. And, you know, I wasn't near the telephone. And so she'd maybe try to phone me at home, you know, through a landline. And I didn't get the call to let me know that she was going to work late because there was a time in her life when she had a job that was very demanding and required that from her. And so... I wouldn't know where she was and I would be concerned. I would be worried about her. And, you know, if necessary, I would get in my car and drive all the way to work and take the road that she would take to look for her, make sure she's okay. And I'm sure there's been times when I've done the same. So we all have an idea as far as what it feels like to have someone we love or someone dear to us that is missing. You may have experienced losing your keys, maybe. I know that I have, believe it or not, (laughs) maybe once or twice, I've misplaced my car keys and I cannot find them. Just the other day, this past week in actual fact, I forgot that I had placed my keys in my bag and so I always hang them up. And so here I am frantically thinking that I've lost my keys on the way, who's found them, maybe they've taken my car, and you know how these thoughts can run, and only to gladly (laughs) look in my bag eventually after about 10 minutes 
and find my keys. So we've all had something go missing from us. You know, maybe something of great value was stolen from you. And so you can relate to the whole concept, the idea, the experience of having someone or something missing from you. And you know, in the same way or equally, we should be concerned when it feels like grace is missing from our lives. And you know, we may say, well, we are hardcore believers. We stand by the grace of God. But come on, let's face it. Let's be honest. There are times when it feels like grace is missing, like grace is not there in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? Sometimes we get mistreated. Sometimes things happen, you know, with people at work, even at home. And we think, where is the grace of God? Why isn't God's grace here for me and working in my, you know, for me? And so we wonder about these things. And I want to share with you today how we can prevent that from happening. We can avoid experiencing that. But more than that, the importance of having grace in our lives. Because it is important, right? And I mean, you should know that by now, as being together for so long and studying it for so long. So let's begin by looking at Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And we're going to read this from the Amplified Translation. Watch what the Apostle Paul says here. And there's a few things that I want to highlight to you. So please pay close attention to the portions that I've emboldened. Paul writes here and he says, For I want you to know, believers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. It is not a human invention, patterned after any human concept. For indeed, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing that Paul says right there, and he highlights and points out a few things to us, which we'll um, discuss in a moment. But you can see that Paul the Apostle is talking about the gospel here. One of the first things that we see there is, is that Paul says that he received the gospel by divine revelation. He received it directly from Jesus. He says, no other human being taught it to me. No one passed it down to me. I didn't look and see how societies and humanity works and put together a new concept of living, a new religion, a new cult, a new way of living. He says, no. This did not come from human beings. This came directly from the Lord Jesus Himself. And He says, by direct revelation. Right? So, when we think about the Apostle Paul, he was educated. As you know, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was, in actual fact, a successful religious leader in his time before he received salvation in Jesus. He was one who lived under the law, and as you know, he persecuted Christians at first before he became a believer. And so he was educated, he was achieved, he was successful. And yet, based on what we've just read, he said there, you can see that all he knew and followed was just mere, mere knowledge. Right? Because he says this was not 
put together by human beings. In other words, whatever he did before that is, was just based on pure knowledge. And he says, but the gospel that I received, and as you know, he wrote the majority of the New Testament, the New Covenant Scripture. And so he revealed it to us because it was revealed to him by divine revelation. Now, more than knowledge, you can see from that, is, is that we need revelation. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we can attend church and get a whole lot of knowledge, get a whole lot of information. We can tune on to every Christian TV channel. We can subscribe to every podcast. We can watch everything available on demand. But if all we're after is just information, 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 that does not mean that we have revelation, that we do not have divine revelation. Wouldn't you agree? It's like falling in love. I mean, people can tell you about what it's like to be in love. You can watch every Hallmark movie that's out there. You can watch any and read every novel, every romantic novel that is out there. But until you actually have the experience yourself where you fall in love with another human being, um, based on God's plan, of course, when you fall in love, then you know and you get a revelation of what it's like to be in love, right? And so in a similar way, just because we have a whole lot of information, just because we know a lot about God, about His Word, it doesn't mean that we have revelation. Paul the Apostle is an example of that. He knew the Torah. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures probably better than most of us knew it. And yet he says, the gospel, the good news, what really matters at the end of the day, he says, I got that by divine revelation. So it applies to us today. We need revelation. More than just understanding things about the grace of God. More than just having a whole lot of information about the grace of God. And knowing all the different facts about the grace of God. What we need is revelation of the grace of God. Amen. And I'm not saying we don't have it, but we can never have enough. Right? And that's what I'm saying. And so someone may say, well, what is revelation? How can we define revelation? How can we know when I do have, when I have revelation and I'm living in the revelation of the grace of God? Well, <clears throat> let me give you my definition of revelation, divine revelation that is. Revelation is when we see and understand things the way God sees and understands them. That's when we have revelation. And that is fact. It's when we see and understand things the way God sees and understands things. That's when we have revelation. And <clears throat> when we have divine revelation, we also then will live the way God intended us to live. That is absolutely true. Because if we see things the way He sees them, and we understand things the way He understands them, then we have the conviction and we will live the way He intended for us to live. Amen? So, having said all that, then let me say this. We equally, like the Apostle Paul, we need revelation of God's grace. Jesus didn't pick out Paul and just say to himself, Well, you know, I'm going to pick Paul and I'm going to give him revelation of grace, the gospel, which grace is the gospel, and I'll show you that in a moment. He didn't think to himself, I'm just going to give Paul the revelation and no one else. 
that's not, that wasn't his plan. The reason why he gave Paul divine revelation of the gospel, which is grace, and you'll see that in a moment, is because he wanted him to share it with the rest of us. Paul was in a place, Paul was in a situation in his life where he was open and receptive to receiving this revelation. So God gave it to him so he can tell the rest of us. And then God gives us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can make that revelation even more real to us and continue to give us and expand on that revelation. Amen. But praise God for the fact that Paul received it. But another thing that we see in that portion of Scripture is, is that God wanted us, He wanted you, He wanted me to also receive revelation of the grace of God. Amen. Why? Because grace is the gospel. Now, just in case you doubt it, remember Acts 20 verse 24. It's coming up on the screen. Paul speaking here about the hardships that he faced and his own life. Watch what he says. But none of these things move me. In other words, I'm not affected by what happens to me, the trials, the tribulations in my life. He says, nor do I count my life dear to myself. In other words, there is something greater than all these things I go through. There is something greater than even my very own life, he's saying. And he says, so that I may, be, I may finish my race with joy. Watch this now. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus gave him a mission for ministry. And this is it. To testify to the gospel what does it say next? Of the grace of God. He didn't say the law of God. He didn't say a mixture of law and grace. He didn't say all covenants blended together. No. He says to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So the revelation that he received from the Lord Jesus about the gospel, then we can also conclude, based on what we've just read here, this is that it was a, the, the revelation of the grace of God. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Amen. It definitely was. Amen. When revelation of the grace of God is missing, the working of grace is missing in a person's life too then. Isn't that so? Why else would the Lord Jesus give revelation of grace to Paul and then Paul share it with us? And then we see the heart that God wants us to have the same revelation. That's why he got him to share it. And we have scripture because God wants us to have our own revelation of the grace of God. Why is that? Because he wants it to work in our lives. He wants us to live by his grace. Amen. And so when revelation of the grace of God is missing, then the working of grace will also be missing in our lives. Isn't that so? And so when grace is missing, what the person lives in then is no different to any other religion. Isn't that so? So when grace is missing, gospel truth is also missing. I can share lots of information with you about grace. But unless you are receptive to God, you will not get revelation of it. We need to be receptive. Isn't that so? Sometimes I go, you know, with Helena to a shop or I may go to a shop by myself, which is very seldom. 
Uh, I'm just not a shopping kind of person. But, um, you know, you may go to a supermarket and they always have music playing in the background and announcements and different things that they do, right? But how often can you remember what you heard, what they played, and how often do you tune in into what is going on there? It's just really ambient sound, isn't it? It's just sound to prevent you from getting anxious and worried in quiet and stillness and be paranoid about every little noise you hear. So they put on a greater sound to distract you, to create a vibe so you can shop happy and spend your money. Isn't that so? But how often do you remember what you heard and what was playing and what was going on? So they're sharing a whole lot of music, a whole lot of songs with you. But unless you're receptive, you're not going to necessarily receive any of it. And you know, in a similar way, someone can share lots of information with us about the grace of God. But unless we specifically focus on and are receptive and are expecting to receive revelation, we are not going to get it. And you know, the Apostle Peter, in actual fact, kind of made that point in what he said about Paul and his writings. Look at this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And consider the patience of our Lord, His delay in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation, that is, allowing time for more to be saved, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God. So Peter acknowledges that the revelation Paul got was from God, and he calls it wisdom, because that's another way you can word revelation. Then he says, speaking about these things, in other words, the wisdom Paul received from God, he says, speaking about these things, as he does in all his letters. Now watch the next part. In which there are some things that are difficult to understand, which with the untaught and unstable who have fallen into error, twist and misinterpret, just as they do the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. So Peter acknowledges that what God gave Paul is scripture. Notice that. But then he says, in which are some things that are difficult to understand. What does he mean by that? He's talking about human understanding. He's talking about our own reasoning. And he says, if we try and understand this by what we are capable of, we're just not going to get it. In other words, it's a whole lot of information. But he says, you need revelation from God to understand it. Just like Paul got it. Just like Peter himself got it. And how he's noticed those who don't get it, then twist and misinterpret. This is why we have so many religions, so many doctrines, so many sects even in Christendom, because of the way people interpret Scripture. But the easiest way to fix that would be to have, <clears throat> to have the revelation from God for ourselves. So gospel truth can only be understood by divine revelation. Do we agree with that? That's true because we've seen it, we've read it so far in the different portions we've seen, right? This is why we also need revelation of grace because grace is the gospel and we want to understand the gospel by divine revelation and it is grace right? Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. I want to show you something here. 
he says here, through him, that's Jesus, we have received grace. Notice that. And apostleship for obedience to the faith. Among all nations for his name, among whom also you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Let me point out some things that you see there that I have emboldened and put in different colors there. Notice that grace is received. It is not earned or achieved. It is the same as the revelation of grace, because that's what Paul is talking about here, having received the revelation of grace and the apostleship calling to step into. And he says he received it from the Lord Jesus. So revelation comes by receiving it from the Lord, right? Not by earning or deserving it or achieving it. You can get your PhD in theology, and that doesn't mean that you have revelation. There are many sects in Christendom today that so erroneously interpret Scripture, and it's all based by people who had PhDs. Now, I don't have a problem with education, but I'm just saying, just because you have a whole lot of knowledge and information, that doesn't mean that you have divine revelation. That's the point that Paul is making there. Now notice the other thing. Let's go back to that. Let me show you something else. He says, through him we have received grace. And then he says, for obedience to the faith. So notice, grace is for obedience to the faith, not because of obedience to the faith. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. Grace is for obedience to the faith, not because of obedience to the faith. So grace doesn't come, the revelation of grace doesn't come because you obey principles, you obey scriptural methods and concepts and, uh, you know, all these different things. No, grace comes so that you can have obedience to the faith. It doesn't come because you had obedience to the faith. That's something that a lot of people in Christendom do. They think, if I just do, if I just perform, if I just get involved, and if I just please God, I'll get a revelation of grace. And Paul says, yeah, no. <laughs> it's given to us, we receive it, so that we can live in obedience to the faith. Not the other way around. So that's a key, th key thing to understand about receiving revelation of grace. Amen. And then in verse 11 of the same chapter, watch what he says. For I long to see you, watch us now, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Oh, this is so rich. We can preach on this for a long time, just those few phrases in there. So let me highlight and point out some things there. Notice, he's talking about, he just spoke, we, we, we've just seen it, that he said that he received grace for, the, for obedience to the faith, right? And now he says, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift. To impart means to release, to bestow upon, right? So he was loaded with revelation of grace, and now he's come to share that with them by imparting it with them, right? But he says that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Now, unfortunately, 
because of the very things we've discussed so far, some people take this at face value and think that he was talking about, you know, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe speaking in tongues, maybe healings, maybe this, maybe that. That's not what he was talking about. Let's put that verse up again. If you look at those two words, spiritual gift, in the original, it is the words pneumaticos charisma. Recognize charis, charisma. So he says pneumaticus charisma. In other words, and if you look up the meaning, what it actually means is an endowment of grace. So that would have been better translated that way. Let's put that verse up again, and I'm going to read it that way. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you an endowment of grace. <laughs> In other words, a deposit of grace, a revelation of grace, is what he's saying. Can you see that? So he wasn't talking about specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. What he was saying is, I'm coming to see you. And by the way, I've received this grace so that we can obey the faith. We can have, because of the revelation, we'll respond to it. And now I'm coming to see you. And what I want to do is I'm longing more than anything. What I want to do is share with you an endowment, a revelation of grace, some revelation of grace that I am loaded with so that you will have the same experience and enjoy and live by the same revelation. Isn't that so? That's what he's saying. And what is the purpose of him sharing this revelation of grace? Let's put that verse up again. Watch this. So that you, it says at the end, may be established. So what was the purpose or what is the reason why he wants to share revelation of grace with them? So they can be established more so in gospel truth. Amen. You know, I've had some... People say, well, why do you just talk about grace so much? Why grace this and grace that? First of all, grace is the gospel, as I've shown you. Second of all, we can never have enough revelation of, the, of grace. And if we have more revelation of grace, apparently we become more established. And therefore, we live the way God intended us to, to live. I mean, wouldn't you want me to prioritize it for you in your life? We can do a series on demonology. We can do a series on... You know, the offerings of the Old Covenant, on the rituals of the Old Covenant. And it's good to have all that knowledge. But wouldn't you rather have revelation of what really matters and counts in your life? You know, it would be like me going to, when I realized that we were going to have Gabriella, and you know, she was coming, it would be like me, okay, Helena, let's go and sign up for every parenting class we can think of. And they just give us a whole lot of information. What it's like to be a parent, the laws and the requirements and the obligations. And we get loaded with all this information. I guarantee you eventually we're probably going to be like, do we really want to do this? Because it'll be overwhelming. Because parenting is overwhelming if you get the load all at one time. That's why God lets us experience it bit by bit. Isn't that so? Because we love our children. And so, you know, we can be loaded, and we did. I mean, Helena and I did a lot of research, and we prepared ourselves as much as we could. But honestly, the reality of the revelation really came when we began to experience it with her. Praise God. And so in the same way, this is what he's saying here. He's saying, 
I want to share with you, not information. I don't want to load you with a whole lot of facts and figures and methods and formulas. I don't want to do that to you. He says, I want to download, I want to share with you divine revelation of grace. He highlights specifically grace because that word gift is the word charisma. So it's a grace gift. He says, I want to share with you revelation of grace because I know by doing that, you will be more established in gospel truth. In other words, I don't want grace to be missing in your lives. I don't want you to ever feel like grace is missing in your life. Right? <laughs> so Paul's, Paul's goal was to establish them in grace. My goal as pastor is to establish you in grace. And I want to be more established in grace. Because grace is the gospel. In actual fact, if you read John 1, you know, grace is the person of Jesus. Amen. And so, what, did that, what, did, what all of we shared so far means is, is that unless we have a revelation of grace, we cannot and will not be properly established in gospel truth. Isn't that so? Because he says, I want to share this so you can be established. And they were already saved. They already received salvation in Jesus. They were growing in the things of God. But he says, I want to share with you about grace. Because that's key. That's the gospel. That's the revelation I want to share with you. And the reason for that is because I want you established in gospel truth. Amen. So unless we have the revelation, we will not be established. So once more, when grace is missing, gospel truth is missing. Isn't that so? I mean, I think about my life in my days before I received the revelation of grace, which was around 2009. It's when God really just began to open my eyes to gospel truth. Because before that, I was in a situation that just mixed law and grace. And I'm grateful for it. I don't despise it. But I wish I got out of it sooner. But the point is, is, is that because I wanted the revelation of grace. But when God began to give me revelation of grace... I began to realize what I had been missing. And to this day, it's still my pursuit. Why? Because I'm so passionate about it, because it's so wonderful to live in the grace of God, in the unmerited favor of God. Those of you who've experienced that, wouldn't you agree? Aren't you glad that you are where you are? Don't you want more revelation? Well, that's why <laughs> one of the reasons why we're studying in the series about you know, when grace is missing, what happens? What does it look like? And what are the consequences? I mean, how do we miss out? We miss out big time. So we're, because when grace is missing, gospel truth is missing. We need to let God's word work for us instead of us working God's word. Isn't that what grace means? <laughs> let me say that again. We need to let God's word work for us. Instead of us working God's word, thinking that somehow something more than Jesus and the finished work of the cross is going to happen. It's already happened. God has already done. He's provided everything we'll need for life and godliness, right? We have all we need in Jesus and through the finished work of the cross. So it behooves us to let God's word, word work for us instead of us trying to work God's word. Isn't that so? Let's have a look at Galatians 2, verse 19 and 21. This is going to help us understand that statement that I just made. Watch this. 
For I through the law, says Paul, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. In other words, what he's saying is, is that when I realized the extreme perfection required by the law, I realized that I can never live up to it. So I died to the law because all that I could expect was judgment and death. He says that I might live unto God. So I had to give up that law life is what he's saying, relating to God by law. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, who he was in Adam, his old fallen identity was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, he says. Then watch what he says next. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In other words, there is a new creation that lives on the inside of me. There is a new identity which is just like Jesus that lives in me. In actual fact, it is him who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, Jesus did it for me, so my trust is in Him, not in what I can do or not do. Then He says, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now watch this. We read all that to read, to read this. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I want to highlight that portion that I've emboldened and put it in a different color there, specifically that word. What did he say? I do not frustrate the grace of God. What does that tell us? It tells us that we can frustrate the grace of God. Would you agree? I mean, it's as clear as anything. How do we frustrate the grace of God? <laughs> well, let me give you some of the meanings. Now, I've looked at biblical dictionaries, but I've also looked at, you know, our general secular dictionaries, and they both say the same thing, pretty much, as far as this word is concerned. Now, to frustrate, biblically speaking, means to set aside, or to disregard, or to ignore. So you could replace that word with that. And it's, it would sound like this. I do not set aside the grace of God. Or, I do not disregard the grace of God. Or, I do not ignore the grace of God. So you can put it that way. And then, when we have a look at the, I had a look at the American Oxford Dictionary, it says that to frustrate means to prevent from progressing, from succeeding, or being fulfilled, which is also what biblical dictionaries tell us it means. So it means to prevent from progressing or succeeding or being fulfilled. So you could say also that what Paul was saying is, I do not prevent the grace of God from progressing in my life. I do not prevent the grace of God from succeeding in my life. I do not prevent the grace of God from being fulfilled in my life or from having its way in my life that's in essence what he's saying that's what Paul was saying that he does not prevent God's grace from having its way in his life meaning that or inferring that we you me can prevent God's grace from having its way in our lives how by disregarding it, by setting it aside, by ignoring it, 
by judging it by weird doctrines or our own definition of doctrines or what we think Scripture says, right? And when we do that, we frustrate the grace of God. So how do we not do that? How do we avoid that? Remember some of the key statements that he made in that portion we've just read to help us see how we cannot prevent the grace of God from having its way in our lives. What you, I've, I've taken those out and I've pulled them out so we can see. Remember he said, I am dead to the law. In other words, he no longer relates to God by law. So that's one way we can prevent the grace of God from having its way in our lives. When we relate to God by law instead of grace. So that's the one key that right there. Then he also says, Christ lives in me. In other words, I have a new identity. I don't have the old fallen sinful identity of Adam anymore. I am saved. I'm a new creation. So that's another key to not preventing the grace of God from having its way in our lives. Living the identity that we have in Jesus and not relate to God by law. Right? Then he also said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Most translations will tell you in the Son of God. It's incorrect. It's of the Son of God. Whose faith did it take to save you? Jesus' faith. When He died on the cross believing that that would save you, whose faith was at work? His faith. This is why we live by His faith and not ours. In other words, my redemption is not based on my faith. It's based on His faith. Because it took His believing to save me. That's another key to not preventing the grace of God from having its way in our lives. And then He also said, If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, we have righteousness given to us through Jesus and the finished work of the cross, not by our doing or trying to live up to God's law and standard. Right? Because it's a perfect standard. Imperfect people can never live up to a perfect standard. But right there, you see that He gives us the keys on how we can prevent the grace of God from having its way in our lives. It's when we look at our merit and performance and say, Okay, God, give me grace based on me being good or not being so good, then withdraw your grace. That's how we frustrate the grace of God. Or by thinking that, hold on, I still have a dual nature. I'm still in Adam and I'm still in Jesus. No, you, who you were in Adam is dead and was crucified. Remember he said that? You are now a new creation in Jesus. That's how you don't frustrate the grace of God. By identifying to God correctly. And then also by living by the faith of Jesus. It didn't take me to save me. It took Jesus to save me. Amen? And then I know that I have right standing with God, not because of what I do or what I don't do, or I live up to this standard or that standard or this rule keeping. No, it's because I rely on redemption in Jesus. That is some of the ways that we can avoid frustrating the grace of God. Amen? In other words, it's when we put our total trust and confidence in Jesus, in who we are and what we have in Him, that we do not frustrate the grace of God. That we allow grace to have its way in our lives. Amen? And not just that, but we'll also begin to receive more and more revelation of the grace of God. Amen? 
I mean, think about whenever it was that you began to receive revelation, the revelation of grace. And I believe that many of you received it through this church, through our ministry, through me sharing the revelation that I had received. Just like Paul. Paul had revelation and he shared it. God and, and, this, and Scripture shared with me many years ago. And I've been sharing it with you. And we've all grown progressively in the revelation of the grace of God. So much so that we are more and more established. Amen. Amen. This is why to a great degree, despite of how and what our church may look like in, this, in its current state, we can hold fast and we can stay. Because the revelation, you cannot put a value to that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You see, this is how Paul ensured that God's grace continued working in his life by making sure that he never <laughs> frustrated the grace of God. Amen. Amen. And I mean, just to talk about that a little bit more. Think about when you get frustrated. Think about the times recently that you've been frustrated. When do you get frustrated? When have you been frustrated? What is it that frustrates you? I know with me specifically, it's when something or someone prevents me from achieving or reaching a desired goal or outcome. Isn't that so? Mm -hmm. That's when I get frustrated and irritated. It's when something hinders me from enjoying what I know I can enjoy, from having what I know I can have, from getting to what I've been <laughs> working to get to. Isn't that so? And so in the same way, this is how we frustrate the grace of God because God has made every provision for us in Jesus and through the finished work of the cross. But we can frustrate that when we put self in there, when we put in Adam in there, when we put legalism in there, when we put anything but grace in there is when we frustrate it because it's already been provided for us. It is when something or someone gets in the way of you getting what you want. That's when you get frustrated, isn't that so? And this is what Paul is saying here. He does not let anything or anyone get in the way of him living in the provision God made for us in Jesus, which is grace. Amen? And that's the heart that we need to have. In other words, he never allowed grace to go missing in his life. He says, I didn't frustrate it because I don't want it to seem like it's missing in my life. Amen. You know, if someone were to ask me, why are you so passionate about preaching this wonderful gospel of grace? They may not use the word wonderful, but I will because it is wonderful. Why are you so adamant about preaching this gospel of grace? Well, <laughs> it's because <clears throat> I don't ever want it to be missing in my life again like it was for so long, <clears throat> before I got the revelation. Yes, it was there. But comparing it to now, it was there in drips and drabs. It was there in, it's almost like I had to go and look for the oasis. I had to go and go through deserts to find a stream, a trickle of grace. Now I'm living in the wonderful grace of God. Amen. And I want that for you. And I know that many of you are living the same way. Amen. We don't ever want to allow grace to go or seem like it's missing in our lives. 
You see, Paul never tried to do what God had already done for him in Jesus. Because that's another way we frustrate the grace of God. Don't ever try to do what God has already done for you in Jesus. He fulfilled the law for you and as you. What are you doing trying to impress God with that? It's not going to give you grace. It's not going to give you more grace. In actual fact, it's going to frustrate grace, right? Does that mean that we are lawless and we disregard the law? Of course not. I have to say that every time. But we embrace it for the reasons God gave it. Amen? So grace can only be frustrated by our own doing and believing. Do we see that? That's why we need a revelation of grace. Amen? Well, let me put it this way. <clears throat> grace can only be missing in our lives when we try to do what Jesus has already done for us. In other words, when we try to earn and deserve instead of trust and rest. Yes? When we strive instead of simply receive. Yes? Yeah. This is how a believer causes grace to seem to be missing in their lives. And we don't want that. And you know, when grace feels like it's missing, when grace feels like it's not working, guess what happens? I mean, someone may say, well, how do I know if grace is missing? How do I know when grace is missing? When you face discouragement, depression, doubt, unbelief, all the negative things that grace has taken care of at the cross. That's when we know then when we are, we are missing some revelation of grace. We are not living in some revelation of grace. And we just need to step right back into it. Amen. Remember what I shared last week. And if you missed it, go catch it up on our website. Just like there's an app for that, there is grace for that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. When we don't live by the identity and inheritance that we have in Jesus... We frustrate the grace of God in our lives and thus cause it to be absent from our lives. Isn't that what we see there so far? Of course, and we don't want that. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com dot com.